Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post-show for November 7th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings, wherever you may be. We got a lot to discuss tonight, man. We got a lot to discuss tonight couple of uh, newsworthy things happened on Monday Night Raw tonight. And we might as well. We might as well address the uh, big elephant in the room. And that is the Austin Theory foolish decision to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase on not Roman Reigns. He didn't cash in on Roman Reigns, man. He didn't cash in on a universal title. He didn't cash in on a world title. Austin Theory cashed in on... A mid-card title. He cashed in on the WWE United States Championship held by Seth Rollins. Why did WWE make this decision this evening? It's a very simple one, folks. There's a couple of different ways to attack this, but the answer is very simple. Roman Reigns is not losing the championship. It could have been anybody. Could have been Rollins, who it should have been. Rollins should have been the money in the bank briefcase holder. A lot of these decisions probably would not have happened if Vince McMahon went with the right man in July. That man was Seth Rollins. I don't care what you think or what you say. Seth Rollins should have won The WWE Money in the Bank briefcase. He should be, right now, still holding it. If Seth Rollins was the briefcase holder, if Seth Rollins was Mr. Money in the Bank, he would not have been cashing in on a United States championship. Seth Rollins would not have been losing the WWE Money in the Bank briefcase. Cashing it in for the U.S. title insults my intelligence, it insults everybody else's intelligence, because out of everybody in that company, you don't think that Triple H realizes the value and the career-altering situation that it is for somebody to hold a money-in-the-bank briefcase. Triple H did what he did tonight to undo the wrong. Austin Theory was not cashing in against Roman Reigns. Austin Theory was never going to be a world champion right now. And Triple H is now correcting the wrongs. Do I like it? I don't like it. I don't. But I do like it at the same time. Because I realize that we're beating around the bush here. 
We all know that Austin Theory needed to have that briefcase taken away from him. Goodbye. So now it's done. Vince McMahon thought he was smart. Vince McMahon wanted to be like, ha-ha, in July at Money in the Bank. Ha-ha, you thought Rollins was going to win. Ha-ha, my guy. I put him in there in the last minute. He wrestled a total of 90 seconds. And then he wins the briefcase. They had no fucking plan for Austin Theory. None. They gave the briefcase to somebody that they had absolutely no fucking plan for. And because... Vince McMahon, every time he looked at Austin Theory, got a raging fucking boner. I do not make my creative decisions based off a 77-year-old guy who gets raging boners by looking at young 24-year-olds. We all knew it sucked then. We all knew it didn't make sense then. We were all angry at it then. And now, we're finally cleaning up the fucking mess that that scumbag... Started in the first place. The best thing about it is Bruce is still there to see everything that he's... Yeah, 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 that's a great decision, Vince. I love that, Vince. Can I suck your dick, Vince? Everything that he knew didn't make any sense, but his life fucking depended on it. Yes, 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 yes. He's still there to see everything go up in flames. Now, as a viewer, as a fan, that makes me incredibly happy to know that he's there and he's seeing everything just change right before his very eyes. He was once a part of all of these things that didn't make sense, and now he is probably having a fucking stroke. He's having heart palpitate. Oh, I can't take, I can't take all this logic, Paul. Please, please, you're killing me. Austin Theory was never going to win. The Universal or WWE Championships. How was that? Vince McMahon did one thing. Triple H is changing it. This was a hard reset of the Money in the Bank briefcase. That's all it was. That's all it was. We got rid of all the illogical garbage. And now Money in the Bank is free. Money in the Bank is free. You don't need to look at Money in the Bank anymore. Money in the Bank will be back at WrestleMania, hopefully keeping my fingers crossed. Women's match on Saturday, men's match on Sunday, qualifying matches during Raw and SmackDown in the weeks leading to WrestleMania. Six women, six men, and we get it back where it all started. That's what this move was done for tonight. Austin Theory. You know, I see a lot of people saying, uh, Austin Theory's buried. Austin Theory is buried. Some people are saying he's joining the Wyatt Six. I don't know where the fuck you guys are getting that from. Austin Theory may look to be buried. It seems very grim for Austin Theory. But there's no doubt in my mind that Triple H thinks Austin Theory is a fucking stud. Triple H and his team originally hired Austin Theory. Vince McMahon misdirecting Austin Theory is now in the let's get this guy back on track phase. This was a hard reset, not only for the Money in the Bank briefcase, this was a hard reset for Austin Theory. Good. Guy lost every fucking match. Guy's great. Maybe he needs a gimmick change. Maybe he needs to come back with a different attitude. Maybe Triple H thinks he's not ready yet. He's ready, but he's not ready for a world title. 
Nobody thought he was ready for a world title. If you did, Jesus fucking Christ, man, maybe you should go sit at that dinner table with Vince McMahon and this unidentified woman. You guys see that Vince McMahon photo floating around on social media? The guy looks like fucking death. He looks like he had his soul ripped from his body. Good. This is a good move for Austin Theory. It does insult the viewer's intelligence, though, but I think once we get a grip on what Triple H is really doing here, we get a grasp on what Triple H is really doing here, I don't think anybody's going to really have a fucking problem with what happened here tonight. Plus, it made Seth Rollins look like a goddamn savage. He got beat up by Bobby Lashley tonight. He retained the title in a fucking cash-in because Austin Theory wanted to be a blithering idiot, and then he lost anyway. Goodbye. Goodbye. He'll come back bigger, stronger, and a little bit more focused under the Triple H administration because Vince McMahon, all he's seen in Austin Theory was a six-pack ab and a fucking handsome face and then in his $20,000 suit pinching a fucking tent in Gorilla every time the guy was on TV. We don't need none of that happening. Vince McMahon fucked up. Triple H is fixing the problem. That's all it is. So again, I say this was a hard reset of the Money in the Bank briefcase. No way Austin Theory was going to win the world championships. And this is a much-needed move. Does it make everybody look like a fool? Does it make Austin Theory look like a fool? Yes. But I think people will forget and will be very accepting of Triple H's creative decisions moving forward. Now we can focus on everything else that matters. And Money in the Bank can be moved back to WrestleMania like it should be on Saturday and Sunday for the women and the men. The other big thing that happened tonight in the very same main event is Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley appears to be back in the hurt business. He's hurting a lot of people, bro. He hurt Austin Theory tonight. He hurt Seth Rollins. He hurt Brock Lesnar in Saudi Arabia at Crown Jewel. There are rumors going around that Bobby Lashley, well, it's not really rumors. Bobby Lashley's basically putting it out there. The hurt business will be back together. The Hurt Business will be back together. Give me time. I will get them back together. It's happening. Now, I don't know if this is Bobby Lashley babyface or Bobby Lashley heel, but Bobby Lashley is looking pretty damn good out there. He has looked good, no matter where he's been. He turned babyface. He looked good. Before that, he was a heel. He looked dominant. Now, I don't know where he is. I don't know where he fits into the spectrum. It may be in the middle of the road somewhere. People were obviously cheering for him because everybody loves some fucking chaos. But Seth Rollins is a babyface, I would presume, a babyface. Fans love Seth Rollins. Brock Lesnar's a babyface. So Bobby Lashley dominated both of those guys. It's easy to say Bobby Lashley's a heel. But then he also took care of Austin Theory and helped Seth Rollins retain the United States Championship. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say Bobby Lashley right now is 50-50. He's right in between. Nobody knows where he's going to go, what side he's going to be on, whether it's heel or babyface. On the same show, we got both Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin in matches. Shelton Benjamin wrestled Austin Theory. Cedric Alexander wrestled Boring Corbin. That was not done by, oh, well, whatever, man. It's a happenstance. No, this was done by design. Bobby Lashley, Cedric Alexander, and Shelton Benjamin all had matches on the show. Well, Bobby Lashley did have a match, and then he just beat the shit out of Seth Rollins. Didn't turn into a match, but the other two guys did have a match. That was done strategically. 
the Hurt Business will be back together. Shelton Benjamin is still somebody that is very valuable to the company. Cedric Alexander seems lost. He was great under Cedric Ale- uh, under Shelton Benjamin and Bobby Lashley was Cedric Alexander. And now in the day and age of WWE with Triple H is assembling trios everywhere, why not? I'm going to go a step further here. MVP. Where's MVP going to fit in all this? MVP right now is managing Omas. Omas and Bobby Lashley had a fucking terrible feud where Bobby Lashley was betrayed by MVP. Are they going to tell that story and kind of get them back on the same page? I don't know. Does the Hurt Business need MVP? Maybe not. Does the Hurt Business look better with MVP? Absolutely. Why don't we get Omas and MVP in the Hurt Business? Omas, there's nothing really much for Omas to do anymore. Omas could be the fucking big, heavy muscle behind the Hurt Business. Standing in the fucking shadows of the Hurt Business, just standing there all stoically and giant-like, right? Meanwhile, MVP gets back with his boys and we got trios. Bobby Lashley, Shelton Benjamin, and Cedric Alexander. That's what Bobby Lashley's attitude is leading towards. When we will see all of them come back together, I don't know. But they will be back together, mark my words. Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross versus Dana Brooke happened tonight. This was labeled as a 24-7 championship match. I asked on social media, has Bruce Pritchard taken more writing duties? On Monday night. Maybe Triple H didn't make the show because of the jet lag from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And Bruce Pritchard said, ah, don't worry, Paul, I got it, bro. I'll write the show. Hey, Vince, what are we going to do? What do you want to do, Vince? Uh, I got the pen tonight, Vince. I thought Bruce Pritchard took more writing duties compared to what he's been given. But then we got a championship match that lasted about two minutes. Nikki Cross won the 24-7 title. Goes into the back. Walks with damage control and throws the title in the garbage. The 24-7 title is dead. Nikki Cross threw the 24-7 championship in the garbage. So not only on a show where we got Triple H changing a creative decision with Austin Theory being given the money in the bank briefcase by the old administration He now went ahead and took what was the comedy title of all of the industry, something that Vince and Bruce got a ha-ha-ha-ha over while nobody else was laughing. They weren't laughing with them. They were laughing at them. He's taken the 24-7 title and has thrown it in the trash. She is really now Nikki Trash. I think Nikki Cross is now my favorite female on the entire roster just based on what she did this evening. The 24-7 title is dead, and rightfully so. Good. I hope to God we never see it ever again. And people are clamoring. Dana Brooke, of all people, is like, oh, I want to trade this in and make a women's intercontinental title. Fuck out of here. Like, you're going to be competing for an intercontinental title. (laughs) Get out of here, man. Nobody wants to see you on TV. There's barely any fucking titles going around that mean anything in the women's division, let alone a fucking intercontinental title. The tag team titles don't even mean anything. You want more titles. What a dumb fucking take. 
24-7 title is dead. Goodbye. It will not be missed. Mia Yim. That was the other big thing that happened tonight. Mia Yim made her way back to the WWE after rumors and innuendo and speculation by all the check, check marks. Mia Yim is back in WWE. To little to no reaction, it seems like she has taken whatever reaction that she got over on Impact and brought it over to WWE. Not really a good look. Nobody wants to hear Impact on Monday night. But that's what happened. The Impact winds of silence blew into Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Courtesy of Mia Yim. She's back. Triple H is bolstering the roster, the women's division specifically. This is not going to be the last of the ladies that return. I'm assuming we'll get Chelsea Green. She's downplaying the rumors now. I'm assuming we'll get Tegan Knox. Triple H is bringing back everybody that Vince fired. And Vince fired them. Vince fired them specifically because they were associated with Paul Levesque. Mia Yim, nobody knows who the fuck Mia Yim is. Mia Yim was in a mask. Mia Yim was in retribution. Nobody knows who the fuck Mia Yim is on the main roster. She got, did she even get a main roster match? I don't even remember. She may have gotten one. Maybe. And then she was put in a mask and put in a group that was the laughing stock of the industry. So of course she comes in, she aligns herself with AJ. Nobody knows who the fuck she is. She's now the Rhea Ripley answer, right? The Rhea, the Rhea Ripley problem solver. And now she's back in WWE. It's a good pickup. I like Mia Yim. But this is just another name that's brought back that Triple H really needs to take and hone and put out there and get the casual audience, the main roster audience used to. There's way too many women on this roster right now where we just get this vibe of who? Huh? What? Who's that? Silence. Way too many women on this roster that just get no reaction whatsoever. Me and him got no reaction tonight. Barely any. Candice LeRae got no reaction when she came back a, f- a few weeks ago. Same thing's going to happen when Chelsea Green makes her way back to the WWE and Tegan Knox comes back to the WWE. It happened to Emma. Who? Maybe people remembered. Oh, yeah, I know who she is after a little bit of thinking about who it is, but WWE is going to have a very difficult time getting everybody on the same page here and get those reactions that these women need. But she's back. So it's looking like we're going to get a mixed tag team Survivor Series match of some sort at War Games. So we'll see what happens there. But Mia Yim is back in the WWE. All in all, this Monday Night Raw was very, very weak, very lackluster. We did get a War Games announcement. The women's War Games match was officially announced and given a graphic. There is slots to fill in. Right now, it's just Bianca, Asuka, and Alexa with two open spots on their team. And damage control with Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross is going to be in War Games. I did not think that was going to be. I thought she was going to be an outside party. So here we are. Nikki Cross is in War Games, which could be a good thing. That could absolutely be a benefit to her and fix her after years and years and years of just 
shit booking. Let her go crazy inside war games. I like that idea. But there are three spots open. One for damage control and one uh, and two for Bianca's team. And we don't know who's going to fill those, those slots. So only time will tell on that. Very lackluster show tonight. This show had no energy at all thanks to the fucking funeral-like crowd in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, where they're thinking about tipping cow instead of watching a pro wrestling show. I think most of these people forgot that they were at a pro wrestling show on a Monday night. If you're going to go out and take your family out to the fucking WWE show on Monday night, I expect you to make some fucking noise. I don't expect you to sit there thinking about fucking uh, whatever the fuck you people do out in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Give me a fucking break with this shit. What a lame fucking crowd. I would put it on the fucking calendar never to visit, visit Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania ever again. After what I heard tonight. We'll go over the show. We got a great segment to go over with the Usos in the New Day right before their Friday Night SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. And we will talk about all the happenings on Monday Night Raw. And I want to thank you guys so very much for joining me here on Off the Scripts. We got 2,800 plus in the venue, man. Thank you guys very much. I'm assuming I'm number one. I didn't check, but probably. I mean, who the fuck are you watching? Give me a break. 2,800, man. Keep them on coming in. Hit that thumbs up. I need 1,000 likes minimum on the post show. Hit that thumbs up. Helps out the channel tremendously. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. We were live last night with episode 451 of the podcast. Great show. Go check that out. We talked about Triple H and the idea that he has. He's got an idea who's taking the title off of Roman Reigns. He also said that he feels Cora Jade is the next Sasha Banks. And we go over all of your news and rumors on OTS 451. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show as always. Memberships are always open. I'm always accepting applications for the VIP club. Always. So make sure you guys hit that join button down below and become a channel member right here on Off The Script. Great perks come along with that. We got some new merchandise releasing next Monday. This is a timed limited edition release. You will have three weeks to purchase this new shirt, and that is it. If you guys saw my Twitter, we are partnering with Lucharillas. Great design coming, and it fits the theme that they have. With our theme of what the fuck are you drinking? So that's coming. And I will have some more info on that in the days to come. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. And tonight's show is sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped.com. You guys are going to use that code SCRIPT20 at checkout. 20% off, free shipping. Go get yourself some great new toys 
courtesy of the podcast, courtesy of Manscaped, manscaped.com, code SCRIPT20 at checkout. We're going to get into the Monday Night Raw show right now. Let me get my iPad out here. We are going to start at the top. The Usos. The Usos and Solo Sokoa make their way to the ring. There is no Sami Zayn this evening. Crowd was chanting for Sami. Sami was not there. Sami took, the, I guess, the entire week off. Sami's home recuperating. Sammy is at home being Usy. We'll see Sammy on Friday night. The Usos, they made their way to the ring. Kevin Patrick still sucks, by the way. He's not getting better. He's awful. I don't know what's going to happen and who's going to finally have that light bulb go off in their head about Kevin Patrick. The guy sucks. The guy is just insufferable to look. He is not exciting at all. You would think now after five weeks that we would get him a little bit better and, and, and him a little bit more uh, at ease doing the play-by-play commentary. The guy still sucks. So stop asking me to give him time. I've seen enough. I'm calling for his removal right now. He's terrible. Usos are in the ring. They're hyping their tag team match with the New Day on Friday night, which should be good. I've seen some people arguing on Twitter. Oh, the, the New Day and the Usos. I told you this already. I told you this already on Friday night. I don't know why nobody listens to me. All you need to do is go back and watch the SmackDown review. I don't mind them doing this match. It's a one-off. What is the big deal? This is Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston wanting to keep their streak intact. Their record, I should say, intact. They don't want the Usos to break their longest reigning tag team title run of all time. If you were the New Day, you would throw out a challenge as well. It is a one-off. That is it. And maybe, maybe we'll get these teams again in war games. Maybe the New Day, I see the New Day teaming up with the Brawling Brutes to go up against the Bloodline in war games. So we'll see. But the tag team title match is nothing more than a one-off. Usos came out. Asked everyone to congratulate them for their win at Crown Jewel. And Xavier Woods and the New Day are out there. So they are face-to-face with the Usos now. They're doing their shtick, swiveling the hips and being very New Day-ish. Xavier says they still hold the record. So the Usos are still chasing them. They go on to say that they built the division from the ground up and changed what tag team wrestling looked like in WWE. You're chasing first-generation superstars. He said the Usos were coddled and given chances based on what family members did before them, whereas they built their legacy off of their own backs. Jimmy says they don't know the pressure they've been under to succeed coming from the family that they've come from. Xavier says they put together the three the, the most important three-man group to ever step foot in wrestling, and we got booed for it. He told them not to dare talk to them about pressure. Xavier said the fans chanting New Day Rocks know the pressure they faced and turned them into diamonds. 
Kofi says they don't understand what the record tag team title reign means to them. This represents a time when we were saddled with being positivity preaching preachers. Nobody should have been able to overcome that, but we did. He went on to pretty much scold the Usos, telling them that they suck. People told them that they suck. He says they elevated the Usos so they won't forfeit the record to them after the Usos says that they should forfeit the record to the Usos in the bloodline. All of a sudden, they were interviewed. All four of these guys were interviewed by Matt Riddle. He comes out with his fucking bongos. He comes out with his bongs. Riddle said he and Elias are forming a band. Jay told Riddle to shut up. I'm glad somebody in the ring said what everybody at home was thinking. Riddle told him to calm down because he likes to sit back, relax, and hit the bong. What are we, five? He pointed at the bongo drums around his neck and asked Xavier and Kofi to hit the bong. They both obliged. He then invited Solo to hit his bong. Solo did nothing. I guess Solo doesn't like to puff the magic dragon. Solo didn't react. Riddle says, okay, okay, Solo, he's the strong and silent type. I get it. Riddle got to Jimmy. Jimmy, would you like to hit my bong? Jimmy obliged, and he played the bongo. And then he went on his own little fucking bongo uh, parade. And then Matt Riddle was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know the rules, man. Pat, pat, pass. So he then turned to Jay and said, Sammy says he hasn't been all that oozy lately. We got a nice little oozy chant. Barely from Wilkes-Bear, Pennsylvania. Barely in Wilkes-Bear. Riddle then proposed a six-man tag team match. And that was basically the way Monday Night Raw opened up. The crowd absolutely killed this segment. The crowd absolutely killed this segment. They did not react. They did not make any noise at all for anything that the Usos and the New Day were going back and forth on. Yeah, this was a semi-serious promo. This was probably one of the more serious New Day segments that they've done in a very long time. And everybody just sat there as if they were in church listening to the fucking priest give mass. The Usos spoke and they barely even reacted to the Usos. Again, I ask for everybody that was at the show, what the fuck are you doing there? You're two of the greatest tag teams in all of wrestling in the ring and there's no reaction whatsoever. I thought the segment was going really, really good. That's the type of shit you want going into Friday, which again is a one-off. I don't know why anybody is upset with a tag team title match happening on TV Friday that is merely a one-off. It's not like we're getting a six-week fucking build for the tag team titles with the New Day and the Usos. Calm down. The crowd absolutely killed this segment. The crowd killed this segment, and then Matt Riddle killed this segment as well. I don't know what we're doing with Matt Riddle. 
But Matt Riddle needs to get away from this fucking Elias garbage. Matt Riddle needs to get away from this comedy garbage. Matt Riddle is so beneath this shit. He really is. I don't understand this. Matt Riddle should be a semi-serious fucking character after coming out of the Seth Rollins feud. This is the best that they have for Matt Riddle? How can anybody sit there and watch this shit unfold and say, yeah, that's the best we got for Matt Riddle? Matt Riddle looked the best he's ever looked in that feud with Seth Rollins. He wrestled great. He sounded great. The intensity was back. I don't get it. Now he's back teaming with somebody that is as dull as fucking dishwater in Elias. And he's going to start a band and he's got bongos. Because he's playing the bong because he likes to smoke weed. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. I didn't know we were back in fucking preschool all over again with the fucking immature jokes. We've been around this fucking bend a thousand fucking times already, Bruce. I get it. Matt Riddle likes to smoke the bong. I get it. It's not funny anymore. We need to move Matt Riddle on from this shit or Randy Orton needs to come back and he needs to fucking inject some life into Matt Riddle because this shit fucking sucks. Randy Orton coming back, turning heel on Matt Riddle, giving us that fucking go for the jugular MMA fucking fierce while also being semi-funny Matt Riddle. That's the Matt Riddle we want. Not this shit. He is beneath this shit. It's garbage. We got this six-man tag. The Usos and Solo Sokoa versus Riddle and The New Day. Again, this was merely done to sell their tag team title match on Friday Night SmackDown. New Day was beat up. Matt Riddle was beat up. Bloodline mostly had control through all of this match. Kingston gave Sokoa a tornado DDT. Riddle got a hot tag about halfway through, not even halfway through this thing, about uh, I say what, 14, 15 minutes into this thing, Riddle finally comes in. Riddle handed out suplexes and strikes and sentons, all his typical offense, to both Jimmy and Jay Uso before he hit Jay with a power bomb and then a jumping knee strike. Goes for a cover, gets a two count. Jay came back with a super kick. Neck breaker followed. He goes for a cover, gets a two. Riddle caught Jay in a triangle, but Jimmy had tagged himself in, hit a splash. Woods broke up the cover and pulled Sokoa out of the ring. Solo chucked Woods over the announce table, blocked a Kingston dive and tossed him into the steel steps. Riddle's on the apron. He wiped out Sokoa with a kick and a dive before Jimmy hit Riddle with a suicide dive of his own. Riddle caught Jimmy with a draping DDT back in the ring and an RKO, but he did not see Solo Sokoa make a blind tag. He gave Riddle a spinning solo after he took out Jimmy Uso. Spinning solo, one, two, three, and that was it. The ending of this match was decent. Other than that, it was a very, very stereotypical six-man tag with basically the Usos and the New Day selling their tag team title match on Friday night. And that was it. And Matt Riddle was in there because he has a little bit of a history with the bloodline. And that's that. It was fine. Crowd killed it. Matt Riddle killed the opening segment. 
Crowd killed the opening segment. Decent six-man tag. Not really the hottest of starts for Monday Night Raw at all. We go from that to even something worse. JBL. JBL's in the middle of the ring. He called all the fans in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, snowflakes. He made fun about the Phillies losing the World Series to his Houston Astros. And he told all of the woke asses in there to put your hands together as he introduced the man who's going to change the wrestling industry. The wrestling god. Baron Corbin. This shit is channel-changing garbage. Baron Corbin is somehow, somehow more boring and worthless, even more worthless than what he was doing with Matt Catmoss. I, I really don't understand what we are doing with Baron Corbin. First of all, There's not a single fucking soul who watches this show who thinks Baron Corbin's going to be the savior of the industry and he's a wrestling god. Yeah, 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 I get it. JBL's being a heel and he's supposed to fucking emit that type of reaction from you. I get it. But it insults my intelligence because I don't listen to that and then look at Corbin and think and see and realize what he's talking about. Baron Corbin is the fucking human bottle of NyQuil that we all knew he was. Even more so with JBL. This shit sucks. JBL is nauseating. And I mean nauseating television. There's absolutely nothing that that man says that I want to pay attention to or that I find interesting. Nothing. Get him off TV. Baron Corbin... Baron Corbin doesn't need JBL. Baron Corbin doesn't need to be out there dressed like he's fucking wanting to go walk the boardwalk in Atlantic City and pull the fucking handle on the slot machines. This is basically happy Corbin with JBL as his manager. Baron Corbin doesn't need this shit. Baron Corbin needs to go back to what brought him to be popular, and that is the lone wolf, Baron Corbin. We need his old theme back. We need that fucking great visual on the Titantron and the aisleway back. We need that Baron Corbin back. I don't know what the fuck they got him dressed in. I don't know what the fuck they got JBL doing out there. This shit sucks. He will never, and I mean never, generate any interest with what they got him doing. No no way. No way. Cedric Alexander, he beat Cedric Alexander in two minutes with a end of days. Some wrestling god, he beat Cedric Alexander in two fucking minutes. Absolutely a complete waste of everybody's time. JBL, he was on commentary for this thing. He said Elon Musk called him and agreed to buy Twitter only if Baron Corbin agreed to stay on the platform. Get him out. Get this guy off my television. Complete garbage was this entire segment. Seth Rollins. That was all of hour one, by the way. Awful, awful hour one. 
Seth Rollins. We start hour two. He comes out. He threw out an open challenge for the United States Championship. Out comes Judgment Day. The one thing about this crowd was that they were so fucking silent, I was jamming out to the other side by Alter Bridge. Heard it clearly, man. Heard every fucking word. Judgment Day's out there. Who's going to answer the open challenge? Is it Judgment Day? Is it Finn Balor? Is it Rhea Ripley? Finn Balor got in the ring. Face-to-face with Seth, he says, Seth cost him a title many, many, many years ago. So now he wants revenge. The OC then came out. AJ Styles told Balor that the issue between them is far, far from over. Balor said the only thing standing in that ring right now that is over is the Judgment Day. I don't think anything is over in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. So the OC and the club is old news. It's not really wrong about that. Styles said, what's wrong is that it's been the three of them against four members of the Judgment Day with Rhea Ripley included. He says they are looking for someone to take care of their Rhea Ripley problem. Ripley said that's because nobody likes them. Styles said that person found them. And they looked for somebody, but he realized it wasn't going to work out that way. This individual found the OC. This individual found AJ Styles. Mia Yim jumped the barricade and attacked Rhea Ripley with a kendo stick at ringside. Big brawl broke out with everybody. The last two in the ring were Balor and Styles, who threw fists. Balor ducked under the bottom rope, and Carl Anderson threw Balor into the edge of the ring apron. Dominic tried to jump AJ Styles, and Styles gave him a Styles clash. The OC and Mia Yim stand tall as she sits or uh, kneels on one knee with a kendo stick in hand. She is now a temporary member of the OC with AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows. This is a good move. I have no problem with Mia Yim joining the OC. I have no problem with Mia Yim joining AJ Styles. No problem at all. I think Mia Yim is a great Rhea Ripley problem solver. But Triple H, again, Triple H, again, has, and I get it, you know, this situation obviously called for somebody to present themselves and kind of get the sneak attack and kind of get the jump on Judgment Day. And I knew you had to kind of introduce whoever this was going to be in the manner in which they did tonight. But man, oh man, that makes now Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, and Mia Yim, and Emma, women that have come back, that have previously been terminated in WWE, four women that were terminated by WWE, Vince McMahon, coming back to little or no reaction at all. The vibe that I got was, who? All you saw was blue hair. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, oh, yeah, I remember. Nobody's going to remember who Mia Yim was because Mia Yim was under a fucking mask for months. All we know of Mia Yim is that she has blue hair. So while this makes sense and while this is a good move, Triple H and his team are going to have a very difficult time 
trying to sell us on me and him. I'm so, well, listen, we're all sold on me and him. We're a, we're, we're a very different demographic, a very different audience. Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, had no fucking clue who me and him was. So he's going to have to do a lot, not only with me and him, but with everybody that he plans on bringing back and has brought back already and rebuilding them because the damage that has been done to all of these women, the damage that has been done to all of these women, specifically Mia Yim, that is damage that is not going to be fixed overnight. What they did to that woman was absolutely deplorable. It was inexcusable. And then they ended up letting her go. Because they got bored with their fucking creative vision and realized, hey, we don't need this anymore. We just might as well get rid of all of them. The damage was done. The damage was done to Dakota, released. The damage was done to Emma, released. Candace LeRae, she actually walked away from WWE and had her contract expire, but nobody realized who she was when she made her debut on the main roster. She never even had a main roster match. It's going to take a little bit of time, a lot of bit of time, actually, to get people caught up on who she is and how good she is and what value she's going to bring to the main roster. It's not going to happen overnight. All that I heard tonight was Mia Yim coming into WWE with the winds of silence that she brought from the impact zone. And nobody wants to sound like the impact zone. Let me tell you. Kathy Kelly, GX, Seth Rollins in the back. What's the status of his U.S. Of his US Open title challenge? Um, he was in the back. He, he ran away. He wanted nothing to do with the OC and the Judgment Day. So he didn't really want to defend his title against any one of those guys. Seth says things got too tense out there, so he left. But he made a promise to the people in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, that there will be an open challenge later tonight in the main event. Otis versus Chad. Uh, no, not, not Otis versus Chad. Otis with Chad Gable versus Elias. This was the next match. Otis wins in three minutes. This was another complete waste of my time. Elias, he avoided a charging Otis. He went shoulder first into the ring post. Elias landed a leaping knee lift to Otis's chin, knocked him out, looked like. Gable distracted Otis when he climbed to the top rope. Elias leapt at him. Otis then hit Elias from behind and landed a power slam for the one, two, three. Three minutes. Otis gets the win, and Elias is right back to being absolutely boring. It's almost like nothing changed when Elias went away. We got Ezekiel, and he went away again, and now we got Elias, and he's just as boring as he was when he was around the first time. I don't know what we're doing here. No Matt Riddle out there with Elias either. Hopefully that is Matt Riddle moving away from Elias. Hopefully. I did mention this a while back. And I know I mentioned this in regards to the Alpha Academy. Triple H is getting trios back together all over the place, man. How soon before Triple H brings back Tucker Knight and pairs him with Alpha Academy? I think that would be great. We got Heavy Machinery back together with Chad Gable. 
We're going to get trios all over the place, man. Why the fuck not? That was another dumb-headed, fucking dumbass creative decision done by the old administration to break up heavy machinery and do absolutely nothing with either one of them. They never even should have been broken up to begin with. I'd absolutely go out and enlist Tucker Knight, bring him back. That would be great. Hopefully that does happen. And I could, I could see it happening, getting heavy machinery back together. Chad Gable's fucking great. But I think Chad Gable as a singles would be even better. Do you want to keep him in Alpha Academy for the rest of his career? Or do you want to see that guy be a breakout guy in WWE? I'd love to see that. Meanwhile, you give Otis his tag team partner back and we get heavy machinery back together because I loved both of them together. Byron Saxon interviewed Judgment Day in the back. He said the OC seemed to have discovered a solution to the Rhea Ripley problem. Valor and Priest disagreed they solved anything. Dominic says they didn't find someone who can take on Ripley. Ripley said she got this. She said, bring on Mia Yim and the whole army, but she doesn't care. She then told Saxon to get out of her face. The camera followed Judgment Day as they walked down the hallway. And Bianca Belair, Judgment Day walked off into the distance. Rhea Ripley stood back as she came across Bianca Belair in the back. And Bianca Belair crossed paths with Rhea Ripley. Ripley looked at her and said, champ. And Belair kept smiling and kept walking away. What did I say during my crown jewel post-show? Bianca Belair retained against Bailey in what I thought was a very entertaining last woman standing match. Bianca Belair right now going into war games with damage control. She's going to need an opponent at WrestleMania. That opponent should come in the form of Rhea Ripley and absolutely nobody else. Rhea Ripley wins the Royal Rumble or Rhea Ripley wins the Elimination Chamber. I could see Becky Lynch winning the Royal Rumble and getting Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. WWE certainly wants to do that. The SmackDown Women's Championship is all but tied up. Confirmed at WrestleMania. There's no way WWE is having Ronda's last match with anybody but Becky Lynch. But that means we need a Raw Women's Championship. And for the love of God, no. Charlotte Flair is not the fucking answer. Rhea Ripley has been on TV and absolutely fucking killing it. If Charlotte Flair comes in and wrestles Bianca Belair at WrestleMania over a Rhea Ripley, I am absolutely going to fucking go off to a point where I'll have the WWE women's locker room coming after me in revolt. Rhea Ripley, I said this on Saturday, is the woman to take the title off of Bianca Belair. There is nobody else that should be in that discussion. We saw a tease about that this evening. Good. WWE did this by design. They are letting you know when War Games is over, going into the new year, this is going to be the woman that's going to be taking that belt off of Bianca Belair. Belair, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss, they made their way out to the ring. And we got... A state of the women's division address here by Bianca Belair. 
Belair says she's proud to be standing there still, the Raw Women's Champion. She said Crown Jewel didn't go according to plan, though, as Asuka and Alexa Bliss did not retain the tag team championships. And this is far from over with Damage Control. She called Damage Control to the ring so they can hear what she has to say in person. Damage Control were standing by as they walked right out. They came out to their music. They walk out to the ring. Dakota Kai said, nobody cares that Belair is the last woman standing. She said, Bailey still has two real wins over her. And she bragged about winning the tag team titles twice. Who did we take those titles off of? Asuka and Alexa Bliss. Asuka then ranted in a very Asuka-like way. EO then joined in this argument, and both Asuka and EO started yelling at each other in Japanese, which actually was very entertaining. I'd love to see more of this, actually. Asuka and EO were arguing in Japanese. I don't know what the fuck they were saying. They sounded like children out there. And then Dakota Kai, or Sky, rather, uh, comes in and says to Asuka, bitch. Literally out of nowhere. Everyone then brawled. Belair, Asuka, Bliss cleared the ring. Belair says, this is war. Kind of lame. Kind of lame. Bianca took the microphone and says, this is war. And it's ending at war games. God, where's William Regal when we need him? Where is William Regal when we need him? Nikki Cross then all of a sudden charged into the ring and attacked Belair from behind. Bailey stood over Belair and said, see you at War Games, Bianca. So we got the women's War Games match confirmed. We don't know who's going to be on the teams of Damage Control and Bianca. Bianca's got two spots open. And Damage Control has one spot open now that they're adding Nikki Cross to their ranks. I think this was pretty much expected. Dating back to basically right after SummerSlam, I had been talking about this. I mentioned this on the SummerSlam post show. What if Triple H brings back War Games? It is now November 7th, November 8th. And now we are headed towards War Games, and War Games is three weeks away at Survivor Series. So here we are. This was coming. This has been planned. This is going to be great. Who's going to join them? I don't know. Now, on Saturday at Crown Jewel, Sasha Banks was back in the intro to WWE. I've seen some people tonight saying that Sasha Banks was once again removed from the intro to Monday Night Raw. Now, I don't know why they would include her on Saturday and then not include her on Monday unless they played an old intro during Crown Jewel, which I don't know why WWE would do that. Why would WWE play an old intro with Sasha Banks in it and then change it on Monday? That doesn't really feel like something Triple H would do. Triple H has been very on top of everything in WWE since he's taken over. That one night, they opted to play the wrong intro for Crown Jewel? I don't think so. What I think happened here is that WWE saw all the reaction 
to Sasha Banks in the intro on Saturday, and they opted to take it out because it got people speculating and talking and, you know, starting rumors about Sasha Banks coming back to the WWE, and they want to basically out of sight, out of mind you. I can't see WWE playing the wrong intro on one night and then going back and not doing it tonight. It was definitely something that was done by design. I can't see WWE being that fucking stupid. Not with Triple H in charge. Shelton Benjamin. He went one-on-one with Austin Theory. We were definitely three-minute matched to death tonight. Otis and Elias, three minutes. Shelton Benjamin and Austin Theory, three minutes. Cedric Alexander and Baron Corbin, two minutes. Austin Theory wins in three minutes. Shelton applied an ankle lock a couple of minutes in, delivered a German suplex for a quick two count. Theory raked Shelton's eyes, hit him with the eight clown down for the one, two, three. Theory got a win over somebody that hasn't been on TV in many, 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 many weeks. Good for him. Miz, he came out, and Miz wanted to speak honestly and open to everybody. He says he can confirm that Gargano's interview last week with Byron Saxton was completely false and a blatant smear job. He called it doctored footage and a deep fake. He says he can't stand that he has to defend himself against these false allegations. He says even his father believes Johnny Gargano. He says his agent's phone won't stop ringing, though. He said a big Hollywood producer wants to tell his story the right way, but it'll take time because they want to create a buzz for a possible Oscar. He says he's talked with his lawyers about starting a defamation lawsuit. All of a sudden, he's interviewed or interrupted, rather, by Johnny Gargano. As Johnny Gargano walked out, he's out there with a whistle around his neck. Got some Johnny wrestling chants, but not really, because Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, was barely alive on this Monday night. And he said because of that, he cannot in good conscience start this match without telling the truth about something that he did. So Johnny Gargano is about to admit something that he potentially did wrong here. He says he needs to blow the whistle on himself. He blew the whistle. He says when he did the Byron interview, he hoped the public would shame the Miz and he'd tell the truth and finally pay Dexter. He says that didn't happen, so he realized he needed stronger evidence against the Miz. He says he needed evidence, so he did something deceitful to get this evidence. He said that big movie producer that the Miz was talking to, he had dinner with them and... In fact, The Miz sat down with this person thinking that it was a movie producer, but it was actually a private investigator. So Johnny Gargano paid a private investigator to go and squeeze out evidence from The Miz, pretending to be a movie producer. Miz started to look worried in the ring. Gargano says she wore a hidden camera and he has the footage. So we see the footage. He held up a remote control. Pointed it at the Titantron. The video played. The woman told The Miz 
He'd be a mastermind if he could produce a story as juicy as his and Dexter's. Ms. X, to speak off the record, he says anything he says at this table must stay between them. She promised it would. Ms. said everything Gargano says is true. Ms. admitted he paid Dexter. Ms. says he saw a chance to boost his career and his agent's phone keeps ringing. He says he stopped paying Dexter because he's crazy and out of control. He said police were talking about arresting Dexter. Ms. says the project went under, so Dexter didn't get paid. He said Dexter should be thanking him for the notoriety because he was doing nothing months ago. They cut to the Miz in the ring, who was very upset at all of this as he was watching all of this right on the Titantron. And that was basically what started the match. At least we're getting answers, right? At least we're getting answers to everything that we were uh, given over the last eight, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks of Dexter Loomis and the Miz. We didn't get anything. And over the last two weeks, we got everything. Am I interested in it? No, I'm not. I think it's well, well past this expiration date. I don't give a fuck. I find it to be fucking boring and disinteresting. And all I see is Johnny Gargano meddling with a fucking whistle in a feud with The Miz while he should be doing something a little bit more Johnny Wrestling-esque. He's feuding with the fucking Miz. I'm not into it. I'm not into it. I'm sorry. I don't care. It started off cool. It started off interesting. It started off, oh shit, Dexter Loomis is back. And now we're just going into cheesy, lame territory with The Miz. I don't care. I don't care. But one thing I could say, hey, hey, it's long-term booking. It's LTB. Is it good LTB? No, it's not. And I still stand behind what I said last week. I feel like with the injury to Tommaso Ciampa, I feel like we were given a new direction in whatever is going on here because it was Ciampa and The Miz, and now it's Gargano and The Miz. All I know is when Champa comes back, I need DIY back together. That's what I need. This shit sucks. Not interested in it whatsoever. Hour three. The Miz versus Johnny Gargano. This was the longest match of the entire night. This went 17 minutes. God help me if I got to watch Miz wrestle for 17 fucking minutes. He is not somebody that I ever want to see wrestling for 17 minutes. Not this version of the Miz anyway. Gargano hit a dive. Miz dropped him onto the barricade. Right into the timekeeper's area. Took over. Miz was in control. Gargano mid-match comes back. Backstabber. Hits a slingshot spear. Goes for a cover. Gets a two count. Miz followed up with a DDT. Cover of his own. He gets it too. Miz hit the it kicks. Gargano ducked the last it kick. Hit an enziguri. Gargano tried for the sleeper hold. Miz nailed him in midair with a running knee. Really still taking Daniel Bryan's moves is the Miz. His offense sucks so badly 
that he's got to do Daniel Bryan's moves and do them fucking absolutely half-assed compared to what we see from Bryan Danielson. Running knee strike, Gargano countered a skull-crushing finale, hit a super kick for two. Gargano hit a suicide dive, but Miz shoved him onto the announce table. Miz, all of a sudden, on the outside. I did, I did really like this ending. I thought this ending was very slick. Miz, he's on the outside. All of a sudden, he gets dragged underneath the ring, and half of his body was underneath the ring. So he goes underneath the ring. He pulls out one of the steel bars that connects the steel post and the turnbuckle. He's got this, this, this turnbuckle rig bar in his hand. And he's pointing out underneath the ring. Dexter Loomis is underneath the ring. He's there. He's underneath the ring. The referee goes and checks underneath the ring to find nothing is there. So the referee's underneath the ring. Gargano leans through the ropes. And The Miz still has this steel pipe in his hand. And he jams the the steel rod in Gargano's face, knocks him out. Referee doesn't see it. He throws the the, the, the steel bar down, gets in the ring, Pins Gargano, one, two, three, and that is it. The Miz beats Johnny Gargano after a very mid-match with a very slick and cool ending. I don't know where we're going with this, but that was it. After the match, Loomis comes out, runs out with a steel chair, blasts the Miz in the back, knocks him down. Security, he sat there in the chair admiring the Miz and admiring the work that he did All of a sudden, security ran out. Two security guards came out. Loomis bolted for the barricade, jumped over the barricade, ran through the crowd, into the back. And that was the last we've seen of Dexter Loomis. I don't know, man. I'm not really uh, enjoying whatever Johnny Gargano and The Miz are doing on Monday Night Raw. It just feels, A, like it's overstated, it's welcome, and B, it's just feeling very flat. And The Miz, man, I I cannot watch them. Of all the fucking people you have on this show, you put The Miz in a 17-minute match? The Miz is one of the worst offensive wrestlers in all of the industry. And we have to watch him wrestle for 15, 16, 17 minutes. Miz wins. Dakota Kai, she's with Bailey and EO backstage. Nikki is backstage as well. So they're happy that Nikki is on their side. Dakota says they want her on their team at Survivor Series. Nikki paced back and forth, and she was very uh, wound up, unhinged, is Nikki Cross. Bailey told Nikki to let loose tonight against Dana Brooke. Nikki laughed, ha, 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 ha. Time to play, ha, 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 ha. Sky, she was very pleased to see Nikki so unhinged before her match with Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke versus Nikki Cross, two minutes. This match was actually for the 24-7 championship. Nikki Cross won basically with a swinging neckbreaker, and that's all she wrote. And she wins the 24-7 championship. Nikki Cross continuing to act like her old self, the old sanity. Nikki Cross, she didn't even bother grabbing the title after the match was over. 
Bailey grabbed it for Nikki Cross and placed it on her shoulder because Bailey was out there doing commentary for this match. Damage Control was walking through the back after the match was over. Title was still draped over Nikki Cross's shoulder. She was staring off into fucking God knows what. She walks past a trash pail and dumps the 24-7, or at least tries to, tries to dump the 24-7 title in the trash, misses it completely. But at least she attempted. But from what we gather, from what we gather, Nikki Cross dumped the 24-7 championship in the fucking garbage. I have been asking for this to happen since the title was created. And we finally got our dreams come true. My favorite new female wrestler on the roster is Nikki Cross. Just because of what she did this evening. The 24-7 title is dead. Good. Byron Saxton. He interviewed Mia Yim and the OC in the back. Byron says it appears the OC has finally solved their Rhea Ripley problem. AJ Styles says it feels good. Anderson says they needed the toughest woman in the building. Yim says that was just a sample of what she's going to do. Luke Gallo says they like to celebrate later. Mia says it's all on her. Mia Yim is buying several cold beverages for my guys in the OC. Good. Styles warned her that they have a high tolerance. Uh-oh. That'd be pretty fucking cool, man, to drink with Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, man. I'd love to see what type of tolerance these guys got, man. Go out on the night, drink some whiskey. Mia Yim is buying several cold beverages this evening. Seth Rollins, he made his ring entrance again. He says he made a promise to the fans, and he intends to keep it. He said this month marks 10 years of Seth Rollins in WWE. We got fans singing the chant to Seth's theme with a thank you, Seth chant. Feels like this crowd was fucking at a funeral. I guess they were still upset over the Phillies losing to the Houston Astros. Wake up! Wilkes barely alive! Pennsylvania. So before he beat Bobby Lashley a few weeks ago, it had been far too long since he held gold in WWE. He said in a few short weeks, he's made the U.S. title the title to have on Monday Night Raw. I don't know about that there, Rollins. You're great, bro. I don't know about that, though, at all. He warned whoever answered this challenge to be ready for a fight. All of a sudden, we see Mustafa Ali. He appeared on the big screen. The crowd somehow suddenly seemed more deflated than they were before this. I'm expecting Carmelo Hayes or somebody from NXT. Mustafa Ali shows up on the Titantron. Jesus fucking Christ, man. Let me go get ready for my live stream this evening. Nothing to see here. Someone all of a sudden yanked Ali out of the camera angle, beat him down off the side. Bobby Lashley entered the picture and says, he made Brock Lesnar pay by whipping his ass all over the ring at Crown Jewel, and he's going to go to the ring and take his title back next. Ali then attacked Lashley again, jumping on him. Lashley threw him against a production crate, 
and took out Ali once and for all. So the beatdown by Lashley on Ali looked very good. So we got Bobby Lashley going out there, and he is going to answer the open challenge of Seth Rollins for the United States Championship. We go to commercial break. We come back from commercial break. Lashley had beat up Seth Rollins before the bell and threw him around ringside before the bell was even rung. He took Rollins and rammed him rib first into the ring post. And Lashley threw the lid off the announce desk and choke slammed. I guess he gave him a dominate or something along those. I think it was a urinage or a choke slam of some sort. Through the commentary table, table destroyed. Seth Rollins on the ground. We got officials out there, Adam Pierce and other suits out there. They're trying to break this thing up. They ordered Lashley to go walk away from the scene of the crime and get the hell out of here. So Seth Rollins was destroyed. A medic is checking on Seth Rollins. All of a sudden, Austin Theory showed up at ringside, and he cashes in his money in the bank briefcase. He's cashing in his money in the bank briefcase for a guaranteed shot at the WWE World Championship that he made a big stink over for months. I'm going to be the youngest WWE undisputed universal heavyweight champion of all time. And that's what they do. That's what they do. They have him cash in on a mid-card title. Now, the match didn't really last all that long. It didn't last long at all. Seth barely stood as the referee called for the bell. Theory charged at Seth with the forearm. Scored a very, very close, believable near fall right at the top. Theory then delivered a cradle backbreaker over his knee for another two count. He went for his A-clown down. Seth slipped out. Theory counted a Seth attempt at a pedigree and then landed one himself. Seth kicked out. Seth backdropped a charging Austin Theory over the top rope to ringside. Seth caught Theory midair and powerbombed him. He then landed a super kick and a hard forearm to the back of Theory's neck. Theory caught a charging Seth with a sudden eight a clown down. Lashley, all of a sudden, is back out there. He yanked the ref out, and out from underneath the bottom rope, rotted a two-count. Theory yelled at Lashley that he ruined his, his uh, match, ruined it from winning the United States Championship. He called Lashley an idiot. His life flashed before his eyes at that point. Lashley yanked Theory to the floor, pummeled him on the outside. Lashley rammed Theory ribs first into the ring post twice. He then slammed Theory onto the announce desk and left. Referee began counting him out. Theory beat the 10 count right at a nine. Seth landed his stomp immediately when Theory got back in the ring. One, two, three. And Seth Rollins regains the United States Championship. And Austin Theory loses his money in the bank briefcase. We talked about this earlier in the show. And for anybody that didn't tune in to the beginning of the stream, I'm going to quickly go over this again right now for you just to fill you in on what I thought. Austin Theory was never going to win the world championship. Was there a better way for WWE to go about doing this? Yes. I would have, I would have rather seen Austin Theory cash in the... This is where WWE fucked up. 
Okay, I'm going to go all the way back to money in the bank. There was absolutely only two choices in July to win money in the bank. There was only two choices that made sense to win money in the bank. Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins. And that was it. After what Seth Rollins did for Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins should absolutely... No doubt about it, won money in the bank. If Seth Rollins won money in the bank like he should have, we would not be sitting here tonight talking about Austin Theory cashing in his briefcase for the United States Championship. There's no doubt in my mind that Seth Rollins would still be money in the bank briefcase holder. At least him holding it made sense. And he is a world champion, ready for a world championship. I think a lot of people are calling for Seth to get his fucking flowers after what he's done this year. He's the most selfless man in all of WWE. He hasn't bitched or complained about anything, and he helped get Cody back in the WWE and give him three of the best matches that you'll see all year. Seth Rollins should have won Money in the Bank. I said it then, and I'm going to repeat it now. Vince wanted to fuck the system. Vince wanted to fuck over everybody, He wanted to screw the internet marks. He wanted to screw the fans. Vince booked Money in the Bank not for WWE, not for Seth, not for Riddle. Vince booked Money in the Bank so that he could see his guy, Austin Theory, get a briefcase, not even advertised for a fucking match. He was, how many men were in that match? Eight, nine? Whatever the number was, Austin Theory wrestled a total of two minutes and 30 seconds in that entire match. You barely seen him in that entire main event. I don't know why they give us everybody that they gave us, and then they want to give us a surprise who doesn't. It, it just, it's so illogical. Everybody fucking qualified to be there, but Austin Theory. Rollins should have won money in the bank. Austin Theory won money in the bank, and they didn't think about what was going to be after he won it. They didn't think of a possible plan. They didn't think of the ramifications and the consequences that they would have if they did give him the briefcase. They were presented with problem after problem after problem when they gave Austin Theory the briefcase. So now we have this briefcase. Vince paraded him around with the briefcase. Vince was removed from power. Triple H took over. And I wouldn't be surprised if Triple H was thinking, well, I don't want him holding the briefcase for all this time. What the fuck do we do? There were rumors going around that Triple H had an idea about possibly having him cash in at the next Money in the Bank pay-per-view, almost like a a countdown. Oh, you got two hours to cash this in. Oh, you got one hour to cash this in. But what good would that do? Because at that point, we may still be looking at Roman Reigns as the world champion. And Austin Theory is not beating Roman Reigns. What they did tonight is tell you that Austin Theory is not going to be a world champion. He was never going to be world champion. Nobody's going to be world champion. Austin Theory's not ready. Nobody's taking the title off of Roman Reigns, and it's not happening. It was never going to happen via Money in the Bank. I would have rather him. I would have rather had him go to NXT and cash in on Braun Breaker. That's what I would have done. 
cut the fucking lingo out. I'm going to cash in on Roman Reigns, tease Roman, tease the fucking bloodline. I would have never even done that. I would have never even entertained the thought. I would have much rather had him go to NXT and cash in on Braun Breaker, have him win the NXT title, keep him down there, have him get a little taste of a main event here, a main event there, and work with guys down there because he never really should have been pulled from there anyway, even though he's fucking great and does fit on the main roster. Is he ready for the main roster? Is there a spot for him on the main roster? That's up for discussion. But he had the briefcase. We've seen the Money in the Bank briefcase used for NXT championships. So if WWE wanted to do that, I don't know why they didn't cash in on Braun Breaker and have Braun Breaker come up to the main roster while Austin Theory took Braun Breaker's spot down in NXT as the world champion. At least that, at that point, it wouldn't have been as insulting. I would have understood that a little bit more than what we got here on the surface with him cashing in for the United States Championship. The United States Championship, no matter what Triple H wants to do with it, is not going to be a championship that's going to be looked at as the title. WWE's presented the Women's Championship more important than the United States Championship, yet we got Austin Theory cashing in on a fucking title that really hasn't been brought back to the spotlight that it should be. It is still a secondary title. It is still a mid-card title. And I highlight the word mid. No matter what Seth has done with it, it's not enough. He hasn't done anything with it. This was a reset. This was Triple H going back and fixing the mistakes that, that Vince McMahon did, that Bruce Pritchard did. Austin Theory should have never won money in the bank. Austin Theory was never going to do anything but lose that title. So why the fuck not? Let's get it off of him. I don't think anybody's going to fucking care. This is going to be a hard reset. Let's get the title on Seth. Let's get the briefcase off of Austin Theory. I don't know what happens to Austin Theory after tonight. But now the money in the bank briefcase is no longer an issue, and they don't have to worry about that creatively at all. Triple H wants to start getting all of his eggs ready for WrestleMania season. Before you know it, Survivor Series is the last pay-per-view of the entire year for WWE. Before long, it is going to be Royal Rumble. Triple H wants nothing to do with money in the bank. Oh, I got this fucking X Factor here. What the fuck do I do with this shit? He wants nothing but focus for WrestleMania season. He doesn't want anything fucking hindering his decisions. He wants to make decisions, logical ones. He wants to attack. He wants a plan of action for WrestleMania. He doesn't want this fucking... Goddamn fucking headache. Money in the bank that Vince McMahon caused looming over his head during WrestleMania season. Triple H wants to start fresh. Soon as WrestleMania season happens, Triple H is going to be like, all right, Royal Rumble, Chamber, Mania, Money in the Bank at Mania. Triple H is going to crown a Money in the Bank that he sees as the Money in the Bank. That is logical. He's going to crown somebody as Money in the Bank briefcase holder that is going to fit into plans the way he wants. Austin Theory was nothing more than a fucking huge asterisk on WWE's creative sheet in their creative plans. What the fuck do we do? Austin Theory's briefcase was basically WTF. What the fuck? What do we do? I don't mind it. Does it insult our intelligence? Sure. 
Does it make Austin Theory look like a retard? Yes, it does. My intelligence and Austin Theory is stupid. Dummy in the bank. But at the end of the day, I don't mind it. I don't care. It's stupid, but I don't mind. Because now it's one less headache that he has to deal with and one less headache that we as the fans have to deal with. Nobody believed in Austin Theory, and that's not what you want. You don't want somebody holding something so valuable with the fans thinking, he's a loser anyway. He's not beating Roman. So what the fuck is he holding it for? I don't mind it at all. But I would have liked to see him cashing on Braun Breaker. That would have made a lot more sense if they wanted to go and do that. Braun Breaker has overstayed his welcome too. Braun Breaker has absolutely overstayed his welcome as the NXT champion. As far as I'm concerned, he should be on the main roster and Austin Theory would have looked good holding the NXT title. No, but the United States Championship, whatever. Austin Theory, you could use the term buried. You could, you could go out there and say Triple H doesn't like him or he has heat. Triple H loves Austin Theory. There's no doubt in my mind that Triple H adores Austin Theory. What Triple H did not adore is the fucking creative malpractice set forth by Vince McMahon. Austin Theory was a casualty, an innocent one at that, of Vince McMahon's fucking stupidity. That's all it was. Now, Austin Theory, I don't know what happens to him. Does he go away for a little bit? Gimmick change, maybe? A revamp? Does he go back to NXT? Does he take a little bit of time off, come back stronger than ever? Focused, rejuvenated, new plans? I don't know. Triple H knows that Austin Theory is the future of the company. He doesn't have heat. Triple H is not burying him on purpose because he's Vince McMahon's pet project. Austin Theory was hired by Vince McMahon, uh, by Triple H and William Regal. Austin Theory is a product of black and gold. The fact that he's still there is amazing. Vince McMahon loved Austin Theory because he reminded him of a young John Cena. That's why he kind of slipped through the cracks and was a favorite of management. But Triple H does not have any problem with Austin Theory. There's no heat. He's not burying him on purpose. He's just fixing the wrongs done by Vince McMahon. That is all I got for you guys, man. Hopefully you enjoyed today's post show. Follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Gonna need you guys to hit that thumbs up, man. We need 75 more likes. I need 75 more thumbs up for 1,000, and we hit the minimum. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We're going to hang out at the end of the show, which is coming up. VIPs, I'd love for you to become a VIP right here on the podcast. Become a channel member right here on Off The Script. And today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Manscaped. Don't wait, guys. Don't wait till your trouser devils are more disorderly than Manchester United. This season, bring your below the waist to the top of the table. Head of the table with Manscaped. 
Use the lawnmower 4.0 to show off your Modric level ball skills and ensure your member will look a good. Man City may have won the cup, but your Man City will be the champion this year when you go to manscaped.com and enter that promo code SCRIPT20 for 20% off and free delivery. Performance package includes the weed whacker, the ear and nose hair trimmer. It's great. Obviously, you got the lawnmower 4.0. It is the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. Obviously, the lawnmower 4.0, ceramic blade. It's got a LED light. Charging function is great. Sits on your bathroom sink in a beautiful presentation. It's going to help with the nicks and cuts. It's going to reduce all that. It's great. The performance package also includes the crop reviver and the crop reserver. Anti-chafing ball deodorant and ball toner. And plus, you guys are going to get a couple of free gifts, man. The Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Briefs. Boxer Briefs. 20% off free delivery. Code Script 20. Celebrate a new season of the beautiful game with your newly beautiful balls. Courtesy of Manscaped.com. Going to the Super Chats, guys. We're going to start off with Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. JD, should I watch Yellowstone? Is it a good show? Joseph Taylor, it is fucking fantastic. Yes, I highly recommend Yellowstone. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. The crowd tonight was more dead than a corpse. They were legitimately the walking dead tonight, and Wilkes barely alive, Pennsylvania. Sinister Classic with a $2 Super Chat. AJ versus Logan Paul would be phenomenal. Cheers, JD. Yes, it would. The Jay Caleb Show with a $5 Super Chat. Money in the Bank pay-per-view is a waste back when Theory 1 looks worse now. They basically told you that everything that happened in Las Vegas was a complete waste of time. Tony Brown with a 199 Super Chat. Bobby versus Austin versus Seth. Nah, I'm not interested in any of that, Tony Brown. I'm not interested in any of that whatsoever. Not today, Jay with a 499 Super Chat. This crowd sucked tonight. They were one of the worst crowds all year. I guess they're still heartbroken over uh, Bryce Harper and their poor Phillies. Oh. Hooligram with a $5 super chat. I don't even know why y'all watch Raw anymore. That was for the chat. We know why you watch. Hashtag OTS Bloodline. Feeling oozy. And we're feeling oozy tonight, Hooligram. Sato Fortune becomes a five-month VIP. Thank you, Mr. Fortune. Can't wait to go to Elimination Chamber in Montreal because tonight's crowd was as dead as Ronda's promos. Get him out. Keep on rocking, JD. 
Thank you, Esato Fortune. Five months, brother. Thank you. Not today, Jay, with a 499 Super Chat. Do you think Papa H swerves us and puts Sasha and Naomi with Bianca or puts Sasha with Bailey? I'm still sticking to my guns, man. Sasha Banks will be at Survivor Series in War Games. We may not be getting Naomi. Naomi may have plans for herself, but Sasha Banks will be back. Lord Jay Coyle, 14-month VIP. Thank you, brother. Not a great day for me today as I suffered an anxiety attack, but I'll always have OTS to look forward to and distract me. Much love, JD. OTS for life. Lord Jay Coyle, I know what it is to have some anxiety attacks, man. That shit's scary, bro. You'll be all right. You will be fine. DX Tricksters with a $2 super chat. Rest in peace, Austin Theory. What else can be said? Pure burial. On the surface, I could see why somebody would say that. But I think I did a good job of attacking that this evening. Hopefully I made sense of it for you guys. Grimsley with a $5 super chat. Upset about the Theory cash-in, but I'm more shocked that they gave Tamina the 24-7 title again tonight. Tamina? Gonna play some Overwatch 2. Good night, everybody. The fuck you talk? Tamina, they gave Tamina the 24-7 title? Did Tamina go and pick up the 24-7 title off of the ground when Nikki Cross wanted to throw it in the trash? Grimsley with a $2 super chat. Worse than Corbin cashing in, honestly. At least Corbin cashed in or tried to cash in on a fucking world title. Robert Dion with a new membership. Thank you, Robert. Cloudy Flavor with a new membership. Thank you, Cloudy. Now, I don't know. What are you talking about, Tamina Grimsley? I, I don't know where. Where did you see Tamina? Did you fall asleep during the show, bro? Robert Dion and Cloudy Flavor, thank you so much, guys. Oh, he says Tamina is the trash. Is that what he's saying? Well, maybe he should have elaborated a little bit. McGrimsley, you got to be a little bit more clear, bro. Not today, Jay, with a 499 Super Chat. Seth had to be helped to the back by a referee and Corey Graves. That's just Seth Rollins being a consummate professional. Telly Swayze with a three-month VIP. Thank you, brother. I'd prefer a wrestling crowd in Philly than Wilkes Barely Alive. There were some good moments, though, tonight. I'd pick that over a Vince Bruce Raw any day. Absolutely. Sean Ray J with a $10 Super Chat. Seth turned babyface Bobby Heel for the Hurt Business. Money in the Bank is free for hopefully Mania. And H is trying to elevate the U.S. title since Roman has the world titles hostage. 
I don't mind the decisions. It's Triple H's show, and I'm along for the ride, bro. Kinson Stanley with a $20 super chat. I've been on the second shift listening at work, Jay. Do you help me make the nights bearable? Keep giving us the truth, even if it hurts the sheeple's feelings. I prefer bitter truths to sugar-coated lies. Always going to be a place for truth here, Mr. Stanley. I appreciate you, bro. Toying with people's livelihoods to pay back your father-in-law. Yeah, good fun. There's no payback here, Dotson. What are you talking about, bro? Vince never gave a fuck about us. I don't give a fuck what Triple H changes because Vince never gave a fuck about us and only wrote a show to please himself. Sean Ray J with a five dollar super jet. Bobby attack theory, not for Seth, but for Shelton. I could see it. Jaxo23 with a $10 super chat. Lashley mauled Ali before he mauled Rollins, and they also teased Ripley versus Belair. Yes, Jaxo, thank you for the uh, riveting recap. Fahim with an Australia mic. $2 super chat. Why are you jealous of Omas? I'm not jealous of Omas. If you're going to talk about Omas, you can at least spell his name correctly, Fahim. Omas sucks. Okay? You have a problem with me disliking Omas, you can get the fuck out. Justin with a 499. Celtics, three-point victory over Memphis. Way better than Raw. I scream. For the $5 Super Chat, I'll take four shots of Roman Superman Island on the rocks, please. Was it that bad? Ice cream. Jaxo23 with a $20 Super Chat. Triple H is waiting for Randy Orton to come back, so Riddle and Orton can feud. Modern wrestling god, Baron Corbin. Ha, 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 ha. Aaron Corbin is nowhere in the realm of a wrestling god. Willie Goat with a 199. EO and Asuka is a must. 100%. Miggy Saito with a 125 in his currency. I don't know what that is. I feel like this Raw is more of a resetting of what Vince did. Absolutely, Miggy. That's exactly what it was tonight. Kinson Stanley with a four-month VIP. Thank you so much, brother. The return WWE really needs is Moro fucking Ronaldo. You ain't going to complain that to me, man. That needs to happen immediately. Kevin Patrick sucks. KJ with a $5 super chat. Thank you for making sense of Austin Theory, JD. The IWC is off the chain tonight. 
Chris Bell with the seven months. Thank you, brother. What's up, JD? As of midnight tonight, I turned 20 years old. I just wanted to thank you for everything you've done. Love you, brother. Chris Bell, happy birthday, man. Everybody in the OTS venue, give Chris Bell some birthday cake emojis. Chris, you are not old enough to drink yet, and I don't really advocate for uh, underage drinking. Do we have any uh, non-alcoholic beverages in the venue? I don't know. I don't usually stock non-alcoholic, bro. You got one more year, bro. You come talk to me. We'll give you a nice uh, a nice shot of whiskey, old-fashioned. We'll, we'll, we'll do it up, okay? Bradley Xavier with an Australia $5 super chat. They should have had Theory not cashing at all, wait the full year, and then pull up the briefcase at WrestleMania in a Money in the Bank ladder match and then lose. Now, I think him cashing in on Braun Break was probably the way to go. Tyler with a 199 super chat. Do you see Naomi joining the bloodline? No. And Cody Snyder with a $5 super chat. I'm really stoked for Thanksgiving week now. All that great food, Survivor Series, your recap show, it's going to fucking rock. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, guys. I'm about to get out of here, man. Maybe jump on some Modern Warfare 2. I appreciate you guys very much. Thank you for hanging out with me tonight, man. Hopefully I made sense of what happened tonight. I may have to clip that last little seven or eight minutes or so and put it on Twitter. Just so the geeks get a glimpse of what I'm talking about. Follow me on social media, guys. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Make sure you guys... Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on that bell for notifications. Go check out all the content, including last night's episode 451 of Off the Script. Next time you see me live, Wednesday night, in the venue with Jesse, AEW Dynamite. Maybe none of the ladies this week will shit on us. Anyway, guys, I'm getting out of here. Thank you for hanging out with me this evening. I need those rock on emojis in the chat. I need those guitar emojis in the chat. I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. And I need that music on max. Guys, I'll see you Wednesday night live with Jesse right here on OTS for the AEW Dynamite post show right here on Off the Scripts. I'll see you guys later.